we're going to continue the series that we have been on entitled, How Do I Really Feel About God? And Charles is going to share with us, introduce another parable, the parable of the talents. So let's welcome Charles. Thanks for the warm welcome. It's good to see you. How have you been? Great. Great. Yeah, I like that. All right. Yeah, okay, so we've been in this series, like Sarah mentioned, how do I really feel about God? I mean, I know we're supposed to feel good about God, right? You all know that? Supposed to. But how do you really feel about God? That's a different question, isn't it? Right? How do we really feel about God? Feel about God. So, so we looked in depth at the parable of the prodigal son. It's a good story. Is everybody familiar with that story? It's a pretty cool story, right? So we looked at it for a couple of weeks. And we also looked at what Jesus said on the last night of his life. He said, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. So we looked at what difference does that make? What is the difference between connecting to God as servants of God versus friends of God? You know, what difference does that make? Because for many Christians, the two seem very similar. You know, to be a good friend of God, you be a good servant of God. You do the things he says, you obey, you live a good life, and that's what makes God happy. However, Jesus seems to indicate that the two are different when he says, you're not to think of yourself as servants of God anymore, but friends with God. And so we talked about how the two different ways of connecting to God, what impact that might have on how we really feel about God, right? Now, I've been asked, though, that isn't the Bible full of teachings about being servant of God? In fact, doesn't Jesus have teachings about being servants of God? So how do we reconcile the two? I mean, what's, if we are not to think of ourselves as servants of God, what are we to do with all these teachings about being servants of God? Good question, don't you think? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about that today. My answer to that first is that Jesus said this on the last night of his life. So up to that point in time, <laughs> which is what? 90% of the Bible is, he is saying we were to think of ourselves as servants of God, but that is going to change after the cross. Is what he's saying. The cross changes everything about our relationship with God. We agree with that, right? The cross changed everything about our relationship with God. So he's saying there is a change coming. And therefore, all those 
teachings that occurred before he said this, that's consistent and fine with servants. You know, that's what we were supposed to think of. But now we are to change. Plus, and this is even more important, so much of Jesus' teachings on being servants of God, they end up being really about being friends with God. You know, on the surface, it looks like being a servant of God, but it really has lessons about being friends with God. For example, there's this famous parable called the Parable of the Talent that talks about different types of servants of God. But it ends up becoming really about how we feel about God. Okay, so shall we take a look at this uh, parable? Jesus said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, one mina each for ten servants. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. And a a mina is about $10,000 in today's currency terms. Okay? Not too much, but not too little either. You don't want to play around with that $10,000, but it's not like crazy amount. Okay? But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Wow, you could return. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter oh this is all out of order oops now I'm in trouble what happened to that Mina here you go got it trustworthy in a very small matter take charge of 10 cities wow the second came and said sir your Mina has earned 5 more his master answered you take charge of 5 cities now another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit at least? So that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest. Interesting passage. The standard understanding of this story is that all the servants represent us. You know, we are people of God. And God has given a mina to all of us. Our lives, our bodies, our intellect, you know, our gifts and talents. Each of us has a mina to work with. And the standard point is, don't waste it. God's given you whatever you've been given. Be responsible. And, you know, multiply it. Work with it. And be responsible. Shine your light. If you're a person of faith, be a moral example to out there. And spread God's glory on earth. Does that sound familiar? Yeah? 
They just stand in line, right? And I don't disagree with any of that. That's all good. Whatever we've been given from God, let's be responsible with it. But my point is, that is just practical wisdom. That's just common sense. I mean, if you go to a church and you hear a pastor, he's not going to tell you, go and waste your life, please. (laughs) Go and do stupid things with your life and ruin it. How many of you want to do that? I want to do just stupid things with my life and just ruin it completely and waste myself. I I mean, if you have any common sense, that's not what you want to do, right? So that's just common sense. That's not what this passage is really about, and that's not what faith is really for. Faith is more than common sense. Faith is more than practical wisdom you can get out there in the world. Well, everybody can tell you that. Faith is more than that. And this passage is more than that. The focus of this passage is on the third servant who does not lose his mina. He does not lose whatever God has given him to him. But you got to notice He doesn't get to enjoy the reward of ten cities either. He's got the mina. Didn't lose it. But he doesn't have ten cities either, right? So the third servant is stuck between one mina and ten cities. Any of you here last few weeks? Does that ring a bell? Just like the older son in the prodigal son story. You know, familiar with that story. The older son does not fall into the pigsty like the younger son. He is safe in the father's household. He does not lose his mina, but he does not get to enjoy the father's feast either. So he also is stuck between the pigsty and father's feast, just like this servant who's stuck between the one mina and ten cities. So you start to see the similarity. The two parables are very similar in its lesson, in its structure. We have the father, we have the king. We have two types of sons. We have two types of servants. You know, the older son, he lives a responsible life. He has never disobeyed the father God. He's never at risk of falling into the pigsty. He doesn't get to enjoy the feast. Most of us, I'm going to suggest to you, most of us are like the older son and this third servant, stuck between the pigsty and the feast. Most of us, our lives are not completely falling apart at this moment. You know, But most of us also are not enjoying life in its awful, all of its fullness. And we're just walking around and life is just sweet and wonderful. And everything's working out for you. And you just feel like, you know, the colors are bright. You wake up in the morning and you just go, yeah, it's another day. I love my life. Everything's wonderful. Everything multiplies in my life. I love it. God, 
Thank you. How many of you are like that? It will probably be sickening, right? I mean, you go into a subway in New York City and you look around. If anybody has even a smile on their face, that's a rare subway. You know what I mean? So we agree that most of us are living in this gray world. It's not falling apart, but it's not that great either. Right? That's why these teachings of Jesus have relevance and poignancy and power speaking to us. The first two servants in this story, they get so much more than they deserve. You know, one mina has turned into ten cities. Just like the younger son, he gets so much more than what he deserves, doesn't he? Right? And it's not because they were responsible people who played it safe. Look at this. The first servant came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Now that's 1,000% return, right? 1,000% return. That sounds wonderful on the surface. But to get returns like 1,000% return, do we have anyone here who's familiar with the investing? Anyone have stock accounts, investing world, investment professionals? We had a few investment professionals in the first service. Now I ask you, if somebody comes along and says, Look, I'm a trustworthy person. If you give me all your money, I will return to you a thousand percent return. Tenfold. Doesn't that sound great? Does that sound trustworthy to you? Should you give them all your money? Ponzi scheme, anyone? If anyone does that, run away. Do not ever click on that internet link. That says, click here if you want 1,000% return on your money. Don't do that. Because to get 1,000% return, you have to take on crazy risk. Return is always correlated with risk. Ironclad rule. You have to play the lottery, basically, to get returns like this. So these guys, they gambled recklessly with the master's money to get returns like this. So what would the king do with such irresponsible behavior? They get a city for each mina, $10,000. A whole city. Now, what would you get for $10,000 around here? Maybe a closet? <laughs> I don't think you can even get a closet. Maybe you get about a shoebox worth of you know, real estate around here. Don't you think? They got a freaking whole city, right? Sorry for being a little dramatic here, but <laughs> this is incredible, right? I mean, one mina has turned into 10 cities. This is that extraordinary return where they are getting so much more than what they deserve, just like the younger son who got so much more than what they deserve. This is the kingdom of God life on earth. This is life in all its fullness. This is God-empowered life where everything is breathed by God in your life. 
And so things, even when they don't work out, they are not pulling you down. They are just stepping stones to like greater and greater. You just feel great about life. You know, God's presence is so strong in you that you really feel this strength and resiliency to live life at a, a, in a way that feels like one mina is turning into ten cities. This is the life where you're rejoicing always, where you're grateful for all things, for this is God's will and Christ Jesus for you. That's a supernatural, miraculous life. Doesn't that sound attractive? And that's what this passage is talking about. Because that's what faith is for. Faith is for getting us out of this ordinary world, this gray, grim world, where everything's a hard go. You're just scrapping and scrapping, and you know, you're just trying to protect whatever you got. But even whatever you got, it's hard to protect, and it's not going that well. Faith is to get you out of that into the Father's feast. Amen? So that's what this passage is about. Now, as I said before, there is a lot to be said for not falling into the pigsty and losing your mina. A lot of cautionary tales out there. I don't want your lives to fall apart. Let's not go there. But ask yourself, are you satisfied? Is your soul satisfied enough living in the gray world where everything's a hard go? Are you happy with that? No? It's a trick question. No, nobody's happy with that. But ironically, the people of God often get stuck there Because we can often confuse fear and anxiety with being responsible and having faith and being good before God. So for example, I had a devout Christian friend long time ago. None of you knows this guy, so don't worry about the details. This is just a story. It's a true story though. He once said, he would leave his wife and his kids that day if he were not afraid of God's anger and eternal punishment. Right? So the only reason he's staying in this marriage, he would leave it right away if he were not afraid of God. He was trying to be obedient to God in that. And I have to tell you, I'm glad he did not leave his family. Most likely, he would have regretted that bitterly. It wouldn't have worked out very well. Glad he's he's not falling into the pigsty. At the same time, he's stuck in a gray world, isn't he? The Mina and Ten Cities. Because the only re- if the only reason he's not leaving his marriage is his fear of God's punishment, then what's likely to happen is that there will be a lot of repression 
and avoidance and resentments in the marriage. Don't you think? If he's not staying for the joy of marriage, if he's just staying because of threat or punishment from God, then he's stuck in that great world. I don't see a lot of hope for that marriage because I don't know how that marriage will feel. And structurally, I don't know how it can get better if that's the reason. As opposed to, I want the marriage to be great. You know what I'm saying? Plus, how do you think that affects his relationship with God? As a servant, it's fine. You're obeying, you're obeying God. You are obeying God out of threat or punishment. That's fine as a servant. But as a friend? If God is the one forcing him to stay in a joyless marriage with a big stick called eternal punishment, how do you think that affects how he really feels about God? You know what I mean? I think there will be some distance, some fear, some anxiety. It's not a good friend if you... I imagine it will be a little bit like this third servant, how he feels about the master. He says, I was afraid of you because you are a hard master. Right? God is a hard master, so I'm afraid of you. There's a lot of fear and anxiety here. I don't think this third servant likes his master. Do you? Maybe he's obedient servant, but I don't think he feels good about his master if he's saying, you are hard and I'm afraid of you. You know? So what he's saying is that this servant has had some past experiences with the master that's been painful and traumatic. That's made him feel like his master... God is harsh and unforgiving and difficult. God or reality with a big capital R, if you will, if you prefer that term. He's saying, life is hard. Reality is hard. God is hard. I'm afraid of what might happen, what might come my way, because I've had some past pain, right? That's what he's saying. And I can understand that. Hard things happen in life. Unjust things happen in life. Traumas happen in life. And especially when you can't make sense of it, when it feels unfair, it's what the third servant says. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. So his accusation is that God is not fair. Just like the older son. We said, Father, you are not fair. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And sometimes it's hard to make sense of it. There's no rhyme or reason. It's true, don't you think? Life is like that. How do we respond to that is so critical to how your life will pan out. How your life will pan out. Which kind of servant or sons you will be. Recently I've been reading this book about the human mind called Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life. Isn't that a great title? 
How many of you want to get out of your mind and into your life? I do. I'm in my head so much. I got to get out of my mind. And the book explains how the past affects us, especially the hard experiences we've had. Painful experiences linger in our brains. And I'm sure you've all had some painful experiences because you've all gone to junior high. (laughs) If you've gone to junior high, you're going to have some painful memories. And they linger in our brains. And psychologically, emotionally, we can experience pain all over again when we get triggered. For example, recently I saw a beautiful sunset. And that triggered me a memory of a great time I had with one of my closest friends watching sunset together. Seven years ago, he passed away from cancer, leaving three young kids. And he is such a lovely human being, a beautiful soul. I just seemed so unfair while he was taken away. And so watching this sunset, which normally is a beautiful experience, triggered in me just this tremendous sense of loss and grief and anger. Very, very painful experience. Dr. Hayes, he says that human mind is so good at associations that almost anything, even a word, can trigger in us pain and grief and anger. And it just is in every human mind. It's wired into our brain, that kind of associations, because that's been so good for survival. You know, it's so good for survival, this ability to quickly associate. It helped us survive, but it also prevents us from getting into the Father's Feast. It makes it very hard for us to just live a joyful life because we get pain is a lot more strong in our brain, memory, and it just gets triggered all the time. It's not easy for a human being to live like rejoicing always. It's not easy. It's not wired into our brain. So here's my first practical suggestion on how to move into Father's Feast, how faith can help us overcome this kind of nature in our brain. My first suggestion is don't use outside tools for internal problems. We are trained from childhood to analyze whenever a problem crops up. You Solve your problems. You grab hold of them. You analyze its cause and effect and you isolate its causes and you apply your tools and you solve them and move forward. Sounds familiar? That's what we do. It works so well with any outside problem. If you're hungry and there's a mango up there, you find a stick. 
You, you find some way to solve that problem. You analyze, you problem solve. That's what we do for outside problems. It works so well. But, and, and so when we get emotional pain, when we get angry, when we are not feeling joyful, we apply the same techniques and same tools for internal problems, but there it doesn't work so well. It doesn't work well at all. Because life doesn't always have cause and effect that makes sense. You know, unjust things happen that doesn't have rhyme or reason. My good friend dying, people acting badly who should know better. When the third servant accuses God, you reap what you did not sow. What he's saying there is that cause and effect have broken down here. You should reap what you sow. Sowing is the cause, reaping is the effect. There should be correspondence between cause and effect. And I'm really angry at you, God, because cause and effect are not going together. You see that? That's scary. Because if cause and effect are not going together, then we cannot control it. You know, when bad things, you know, we can't like, our brain just goes to, you know, when bad things happen, we go, what's to blame? Who caused this? Who's to blame? How can I, you know, make it better? But that only works if cause and effect are going together. (laughs) If they are not going together, you cannot control this. And that's the cause of his problem. And Dr. Hayes says, that's what we do. Our mind kicks in to try to control what cannot be controlled. We use the outside tools that we've been trained to use, and it doesn't work. So we keep trying more and more and more. It only gets us to sink deeper. He says, that's like being in a quicksand. You know, when you fall into quicksand, If you try to get out of it, what happens? You sink even deeper. All the things that work outside the quicksand makes it even worse when you're in the quicksand. So keep that image in your mind. Your internal, emotional, spiritual problems it's not the same as the outside problems. And you will only fall into the quicksand you will be repressing, you will be avoiding, you will be using all these coping strategies to deal with your emotional pain. You take pills, you fall into addictions, and it just, you just sink deeper and deeper. So this is where faith comes in. This is where the cross comes in. Just think of the cross. Yes, unjust things happen in life. Cross was unjust. Jesus, he reaped what he did not sow. He did not deserve the cross from his life, did he? Right? And yet he said, let your will be done. And he was resurrected. Amen? He was resurrected. This is what it means, part of what it means to live in faith. This is what it means to Live in the hope of resurrection. That's not just about 
what's going to happen after we die. To live in the hope of resurrection is to deal with injustice in this world, to deal with our past pain, to deal with all those things like the first two servants who don't seem to be trapped by the past pain. Right? They are just going out there playing recklessly with the, whatever God's given to them. They don't seem to be afraid of what might happen. They seem like an awfully optimistic bunch. <laughs> don't you think? They're going at it, risking it, working it. Whatever God's given you, work it. Seems to be their motto. And they're not worried about the future. They're not trapped by the past. They live fully now so that's my second suggestion resist getting pulled into the past pain or anxiety about the future live fully now because the master told the servants to put this mina to work what that means is engage with what's been given to you work it don't hide it don't bury it use it That's the one direction, order from the king, and the third servant doesn't do it. He hides it. He protects it. He's living in the past and the future, right? You are hard. I had hard things happen in my past, so I'm afraid of the future. It's so easy to live in the past or the future, don't you think? I'm always doing that. How many of you rehash the past? Oh, God, right? Every single day, don't you think? We rehash the past. If you do that, you're becoming like the third servant. And this book says it it will just ruin your life. There's research that suggests that even causes premature aging. Can you believe that? You're going to get old before your time if you live in your head like that. The past, and it will kill you all faster, basically. The third servant. You know? So, whenever you find yourself going, oh, I coulda, shoulda, woulda. Oh, what's going to happen in the future? Am I going to get this job? Am I going to meet the dream boat of a husband? That doesn't exist, guys. That's like a, you know, that's like a unicorn. <laughs> you know? You just have to work with what you got, girl. <laughs> you know? What's in front of you. <laughs> okay? So, don't live in your head thinking about these things that don't exist because the only thing that exists is right now. The past is gone. The future hasn't happened. The only reality is right now. It's the only life you have. If you don't fully live now, then you are not living. If you're in your head, then you're not engaged with your life. And God wants you to engage with your life. Put this, put this mina to work. Engage with now. Because it's the only place you can really connect with the living God. It's the only place you can really connect to your true life. So snap out of it whenever you find yourself in your head 
thinking about the past or the future, resist that. And what helps with that is observe what you are thinking and feeling. Instead of just letting your thoughts and feelings carry you away, that's what I do. I just get carried away with my feelings and my thoughts. Think of yourself as like standing in a corner watching yourself. Human brain is capable of doing this. Even as you're thinking and and feeling things about the past or the future, you can also at the same time observe what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. So it's kind of like this. I'm thinking about the past, thinking about my friend, and I just all of a sudden go, oh, you're thinking about your friend. Okay. Huh. You're getting mad. Okay. Huh. You're thinking subway is awfully late today. And you're getting really frustrated. Okay. Just observing what you're thinking and feeling pulls you back to the present. Because you are observing what is happening with you right now. That very act pulls you back to the present. It's a powerful tool. And from that place of observing, just turn to God as a friend as just always there for you. The name of the Holy Spirit is literally the one who walks alongside you. He's not in front of you. He's not above you. He's not some distant master who controls everything. He's walking alongside you like a friend does. So think of God as a friend. Feel his warmth. Turn your attention to God. Say, God, come be my friend right now. Don't think of God as this distant master that controls everything because if you do, you'll end up blaming him for everything that's going wrong in your life. You will fall into being like this third servant. And that is a mortal sin. It gets you cut off from God and the kingdom of God. If you start living in your head, in the past and the future, that we do so much, that is a horrible sin that causes all kinds of other problems in our lives. Let's repent from that. Let's not be like this third servant. Let's be like the good servants. Children of God. Trusting in God's goodness. Always. To have faith. And whatever happens. Whatever pain we are experiencing. To hold on to faith. That God is good. There is resurrection. That's coming. That's what it means to live in faith. And that's what's going to open up the kingdom of God for you. And that's what's going to open up this multiplying things where little things in your life just feels great. If you cultivate this habit, your life will start to feel better. Your body will release hormones that will make things better for you. Seriously, there's research that shows you, that tells us that. It will open up so much better experience of life today.
for you. So shall we live by faith? Let's not be like the third servant and the older son thinking that obedient servant is what it means to have faith. No, that will cut us off from God. Let's live in faith and be a friend of God and we will experience resurrection life. Let me pray for us.